It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, John Barchard here. The Eagles are heading to the NFC Championship game, which means that fantasy football season must be over, right? No, no, no. With one-week fantasy football at DraftKings.com, the fantasy football season does not stop until the games do. So while your season-long league might be done, it's not too late to draft a new team and win money while doing it. At DraftKings, there's so many ways to play. You can choose from public contests with huge cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against your friends. And they've even got beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of similar skill sets. And the best part, you get to draft a new team each week. And drafting a team is arguably the best part of fantasy, well aside from winning all the cash, that is. Huge cash prizes and bragging rights await only at DraftKings. Use promo code BGNR at DraftKings.com right now to play for free with your first deposit for your share of hundreds of thousands of dollars in total prizes this Sunday. But hurry, Sunday's gonna come around. We're gonna be tailgating, drinking beers and rooting for the birds. So get to DraftKings.com right now and choose your lineup and you can play for some serious cash on Sunday while going crazy at the link. That's code BGNR, only at DraftKings.com. You're listening to BGN Radio. Stars up over the ball. This will be it. Stars back to throw. He takes time. He throws over the middle. It's caught at the 15, running hard to the 7-yard line, and down on the 7 is Jim Taylor. The game's over. The game's over. The Eagles are the champions of the world. Listen. Hello and welcome into... I can't believe I'm saying this. An NFC Championship Game Edition of BGN Radio. It's episode 294 as we break down the Eagles and the Vikings for a chance to go to Super Bowl 52. And I am Vince Quinn. Joining me, the esteemed writer, managing editor of BleedingGreenNation.com. Every week on the preview show here with me. And that is Brandon Lee Galton. What's up, BLG? The dogs are one win away, Vince, from the Super Bowl. It's absolutely incredible. You never would have thought that it'd get to this point, and and they and they pick up a nickname in the process. But here we are. It is absolute hysteria in Philadelphia, and and this game. Uh, I gotta say, just first and foremost, the environment going into this game has to be pure insanity, right? 
I mean, it's just hard to believe still that we got to this point. I was, you know, I've been thinking about it days after even the Eagles win over the Falcons on Saturday. And it's just, it's just so hard to believe because it's been so long. It's been what, since the 2008 season there when the Eagles were actually in the championship game this close. And just the fact that, you know, no one expected this before the season. And then when Carson Wentz goes down, it's not like it was out of the question because they were only one playoff win away from doing it. But just still to see it, it's like, man. And then you're here and you're like, well, shit, like we're one win away from the Super Bowl. <laughs> and they're just so close. Yeah, it's it's so unreal to be this close, especially obviously with the, the thing that's been talked about a billion times of Carson Wentz going down and Nick Foles coming in. And, and to have the game as close as it is, it's just it's absolutely wonderful. So let's. Uh, let's get into this matchup, BLG. It's a, it's a really complicated game here, and uh, I just want to hear from you first. What are your first impressions of the Minnesota Vikings? Their defense is really good, man. I mean, the stats are obviously a big indicator of that, but just the talent, too, and the coaching with Mike Zimmer there, that's a really good defense. It's going to be tough for this Eagles offense to crack, especially with the way that you kind of Eagles have to put things together at this point. I mean, it's not like you just have Carson Wentz out there who can make a play. It's a point where you really have to execute the offense well or get some luck like Nick Foles had with that completion to Torrey Smith and, and some of the things that went on there. And then he was, you know, he was he was checking it down a lot. And that's fine. They moved the ball against the Falcons and they ate up some clock. That's good. But it's just hard to imagine they're going to be able to do the same offensive things against the Vikings, I think. So that's tough. But at the same time, the way I feel about this team now is almost like I don't know if it's to the point where they're invincible, but I just I feel I don't feel scared of other teams because the Eagles have things that they do that other teams should be scared of. Like teams should be scared of Doug Peterson as a play caller right now because he's doing some creative stuff and he's going to be able to put this team into some good positions. And then just what like what matters more in football? What is the old cliche? Teams win or lose in the trenches. And the Eagles can win in the trenches in any given game. So I look at this offensive line, and I know they're going up against a tough defense. You have uh, Everson Griffin on Big V is probably the, one of the biggest mismatches here. But with that said, I mean, I just, I'm at the point, like I said, where I feel like this team is, they've proved us wrong so many times that they're going to have a fighting chance. Like you can never count them out. Well, yeah, and that's that's the interesting thing because in Philly, obviously, that vibe is really strong. Everyone's feeling it. Everyone's buying dog masks. It's going to be crazy. Uh, but the other side of the equation, too, and that's what makes this matchup so fascinating, is that Minnesota's been a similar ride, right? They're a team that everyone expected to be fine. No one expected to be great. Uh, definitely didn't be expected to win their division. That would be Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Then not only do they win, but they win with Case Keenum, and they go on this improbable run, and they lose their first-round pick and Dalvin Cook in the process. Uh, he tears his ACL after a couple of good weeks early, and so they keep rolling. And it's just it, – it's such a it, – it's such a – Evenly, there's a lot of parallels between these two teams, and that's what makes it so fun to compare and dissect the matchups in all of this. And and let's keep it going with the defensive side of the ball, because obviously the the Eagles' defense has been great and has come up with some really big moments, especially last week. But that Vikings' defense is super, super good. And you're talking about guys on every single level. Uh, just looking at their their pro bowlers, all pro, like. 
Uh, Everson Griffin, defensive lineman, made the Pro Bowl. Anthony Barr, linebacker, makes the Pro Bowl. Xavier Rhodes is a cornerback. He made the Pro Bowl and is an all-pro corner this year. And they also have an all-pro safety, even though he didn't make the Pro Bowl, which shows you how ridiculous that whole process is, in Harrison Smith. So they've got elite play at every single level of the defense. And and that's the biggest challenge this week. That's the story, right? It's Nick Foles and how can he handle this masterful defense that Minnesota has and the good coaching to go with it, right? Like the chess matches if, uh, of Mike Zimmer and Doug Peterson. There's just so much to this. So like uh, offensively, I'm trying to think of from the Eagles standpoint what you can do to beat the Vikings and, and win this game. Like, I, I, just keeping this real, BLG, if the Eagles win this game realistically, how many points are, do you think they score? Um, yeah, it's not going to be a lot. It might be like, it could be a 20, <laughs> a 20, maybe at most like 20 to 17 kind of game there. I mean, this Vikings defense is really good, and I don't want to sell them short at all, but they're not on the road. They haven't been like invulnerable. And even against the Saints, like, I know it's Drew Brees and everything, but we saw them. In that second half of that game on Sunday, I think they gave up uh, t- either scores or touchdowns on four of the final five drives or so. So I mean, like they they're they're able to be exploited to some extent here, and their road splits specifically, they're allowing 19 points per game compared to 12.5 at home, and they're rushing, they're allowing uh, 4.3 yards per attempt on the road compared to 2.8 at home, so much better at home. And that's 112 rushing yards per game compared to 55 rushing yards per game at home. So I think you look at what the Carolina Panthers did, and they were really able to have some success. I think um, Jonathan Stewart specifically was able to run on that Vikings defense, and that game was in Carolina. I think the Eagles, I, like running the ball might not be easy, but you got to give it a shot. I mean, that's not, that's not rocket science. We were saying it last week. We want to see it again. J.J. was heating up. I mean, he was heating up in that game, and they took him out for a weird reason that we still kind of can't understand. Yeah, they really but didn't explain that. They didn't explain it, and Doug's answer was something about, like, oh, there was, we wanted to go tempo, which is like, all right. But then he also said something about LeGarrette Blunt was heating up, and I went back and looked, and LeGarrette Blunt had four carries for negative three yards. So I don't think he was heating up. Um, but I, I do think the Eagles, you know, need to – I'm not – I, I don't – I can't guarantee they're going to have success doing it, but they do kind of need to at least see where the run game is at early because if they have that going for them, and I think there's a chance you know they can get something because even though Ajayi you know he fumbled, he had he's not perfect, but overall the big picture with him is that he's still a pretty talented guy and he can bounce off some of those tackles too. He can get some of those hard yards, and I hope they don't use Blunt as much because he hasn't been effective. He's averaging 2.8 yards per carry in his last six games. I, I'd rather see Corey Clement and Jay Ajayi kind of get those touches. You don't have to give them all to Ajayi, but you have to give them to Corey Clement. So I think trying to get the running game going is going to be important again because we saw against the Falcons how important that was in the second half to be able to set up the RPOs that Nick Foles was able to execute I mean, they, that only happens in part because the run game was working. So I see no reason not to go back for it. You have to trust that your offensive line is going to be able to be good because they are a very good offensive line with a lot of talent. And then you adjust from there if it's not working. Yeah, and, and one of the, the adjustments that I would make before the game even starts, because you talked about Garrett Blunt and how 
he's had some struggles over the past couple of weeks. And I've been a huge Blunt supporter over the course of the year, but I'm totally with you. He just He's not as dynamic as he was earlier in the season. And what I would do in this game, because you consider how good the defense is, and now that you've got the RPO stuff on film and the Vikings can look at that and dissect it a little bit, I feel like the Peterson's big challenge is you got to throw more curveballs at the Vikings, things that they can't quite plan for. And one of the things that I would do is I would deactivate Blunt entirely, and I would put Smallwood in the game. Uh, I I would get him out there just so you have another receiver threat. It's a little more quickness out there. It's something that really uh, the Vikings would have to struggle to cover. I don't know if you put Barner out there for a couple of more snaps and get him in the passing game because uh, the thing I think about matchup-wise with this is you just miss Sproles so badly. Like Watching that Saints... passing attack and how they were so successful against the Vikings in the second half of the game. A lot of it was Kamara just getting down the field and burning linebackers. He had that beautiful catch over Eric Hendricks in the end zone. Like Those are the things that Sproles would be able to offer you, and obviously you haven't had him all season. So you got to get that kind of production, that mismatch somewhere. And uh, getting speed in the backfield is definitely one of those areas to complement that running game. Now, the other thing is, too, uh, in the passing game, like one of the cool, fun things that Doug did last week was getting Aguilar involved and giving him those handoffs on the inside, which we talked about last week, by the way, pat ourselves on the back, the idea of getting him involved and him having to break, break, uh, break big plays, like, Realistically, it, uh, I'm trying to think of stuff with Aguilar that you do this point with the offense in general that breaks a, a big play like that. Like, do you have anything on your mind of, of what you would call to, to throw the Vikings off here? Well, I think, you know, I think you, Aguilar can just have success on his own in this game because you look at the Vikings cornerbacks, Xavier Rhodes and Trey Weens. You don't want to throw to them maybe as much as you feel comfortable throwing to their slot corner, Mackenzie Alexander, who the Saints were kind of picking on in Sunday's game and also who's on the injury report this week. So he, he might not be a hundred percent. He's kind of banged up. Um, but yeah, I, I think, man, if we took anything away from that Falcons game, like if we could only take one thing away, it's that, I mean, like Doug Peterson's for real, man. I, I really think he, like he has arrived. Like that was freaking awesome. That game. And I think, you know, it, it shows not just only in the short term that, you should feel good about this team because of what he's going to do and how he's going to put a game plan together and then get creative with some of the play calling like we saw with the Aguilar handoff, like we saw with running two screens in a row. I mean, you had Frank Reich come out this week and and say that Doug is one of the more unorthodox play callers in the league, and I think that's accurate, and I, and I love it. I don't know if you heard of Vince, but Doug Peterson was kind of asked about it today, and I don't know if he kind of meant to say this, but he was like, well, yeah, you just have it or you don't. Like, that's so awesome. <laughs> Did he pop his like, collar after that or throw his visor down and, like, walk off? I don't think he, like, meant to say it like that, you know, but, like, it came out that way. I was like, man, he's he's not wrong, though. I mean, you, that's true. Like, you either have that feel for the game like Doug does or you don't, and Doug has that. And I think that's awesome. I think, you know, I think we were talking here about how last week might be a good time to break out a trick play, and I guess you could kind of consider the Aguilar handoff kind of like that. Uh, it might be time to break out a wide receiver pass. The Eagles did that against the Cowboys in the, the Dallas game last year in 2016. Uh, th- that almost worked for the Saints. Willie Sneed kind of overthrew, was it Kamara there, by like a yard or so? Yeah. But he was wide open. I mean, like maybe that's something you have to do to get a, a big play in this game. I think another thing the Eagles have to do is we were talking about, I was just talking about how 
they were being more dink and dunk last week, and they probably can't afford to do that as much. You know, let's take some shots to Alshon Jeffrey. Like, it's you paid this guy. I know Foles, whatever, the chemistry, you can say it's not there, whatever. Too bad. Like, take a shot to that guy at some point. Make him – give him a jump ball opportunity because there's been a lot of talk about how – and you look at the numbers – that when he's gone up against the Vikings and Xavier Rhodes specifically, you know, Rhodes is a good corner, but, like, Jeffrey's gotten the best of him, it seems, or at least he's had success against him in the past. So I think uh, Alshon's physicality and, and just – I feel like we're just so due for that. We haven't seen that as much as I feel like we should have this year where he, you just chuck the ball up and ask him to come down with it because he can do that. I mean, I, I saw it when I was watching OTAs. I saw him do it right over Rizal Douglas. Like I, I saw this multiple times. So that would be a great way to do this, to kind of just put it, put some trust in him and, and have him make a big play. Yeah, because one of the things that Foles, like, as as much as his arm strength is, is kind of limited, and you saw that with the very first, and, and going back to Peterson, I love that he called that deep bomb on the first play of the yes. game just to be like, hey, we're going to go at you, be ready for it. Uh, they didn't do it again <laughs> after that. But they threw it on the first play. And even though Foles is limited in terms of his arm strength and getting it down the field, the way that he delivers the ball, where it is this long uh, kind of floating pass, that does suit Jeffrey and his skill set. And as much as last week the success was getting him those quicker throws where he got a little bit of separation and they're getting seven, eight yards at a time, trying to get 25, 30 yards at a time is something that is really important for them in this game. They need big plays badly. And if it's going to happen, uh, it, that's something they absolutely have to look for. Now, the other thing is, by the way, Going into this game, like, the strategy of Doug Peterson and the mindset, because last week we're on this show and we're talking about playoff Doug Peterson, right? He's locked in, he's snippy at the press conferences. The, The way that he's handling himself was very out of the norm. And you see the way he's going about it this week and how much lighter he is and how important that win was, right? Like, doesn't it feel like that win meant so much to Doug? Because he just seems lighter, happier, uh, a little more stress-free, and and maybe that leads to a little bit more bolder play calling as well. What do you think? Yeah, especially just coming off those two bad offensive performances against the Raiders and then when they played the starters against the Cowboys for a quarter. I think... They got back. They, like they saw they could get back into feeling good and feeling good about themselves. Like I just think it boosted the whole team really. And I still think they have that underdog mentality. But I think having that playoff win boosted their confidence, and they feel like, yeah, we can do this thing. Like we're one win away. We're the team to beat. And you look back at really <clears throat> like a big takeaway from that game is that. The Eagles' defense, kind of switching over to them real quick, like they dominated. For as much as I'm talking about Doug Peterson and what a great coaching job he did, I mean, Jim Schwartz did too. The Falcons didn't score any points except for off of turnovers. It was, you know, the field goal after the Jay Ajayi fumble where the Falcons took over, I believe, at their own 38-yard line. And then it was the uh, the special teams, you know, that punt that got muffed by Brian Brayman, and then the the Falcons took over at their eight, uh, the Eagles' eighteen yard line in the red zone. And then from there, it took the the Falcons to like third and goal, even though there were some penalties in there to actually still get the touchdown. Took a good, a pretty good play from Matt Ryan, kind of a broken play there to score. Like this team just has an edge right now, and they're tough. And you see it with Doug. You see this the coaching staff as a whole. Like that's a I just think. 
you know, sometimes we maybe get too much caught up, and I, I might be guilty of this too. I think we all kind of just get caught up into looking at the players and the talent. But I mean, man, the way these Eagles coaches are right now, like the coat, the coaching, like that could be that's huge. The the coaching for this team right now is so huge, and might not get talked about enough. And I think it, the Eagles have a big edge and over a lot of teams at this point. I mean, I don't think Mike Zimmer is a bad coach by any means. Pat Shermer is getting a lot of hype. I think whatever. I mean, obviously Case Keenum is having success. So I, I'm still not a big Pat Shermer guy. But I think the Eagles, you know, were clearly just outmatching uh, Dan Quinn and Steve Starkeesian last week. And, and I think there's a chance that could happen again. I just I think at this point Doug is becoming or really is a really great coach. And same thing with shorts as well for when it comes to defense. So when you're going into battle with these guys, I think you feel good. Yeah, I got to say the arrival game was definitely there for Doug Peterson and he took it. And when you finally get Michael Lombardi to apologize about calling him the most unqualified coach in history, uh, I, I think that kind says of a apologize. lot. Well, yeah, enough as he'll ever apologize for anything. Yes. So you take it, because uh, that, that was a really hot and spicy take that he's got there. Now, the other thing is, all right, looking at Peterson and the matchups here, we're talking about the run game. Obviously, you got to make that work. We're talking about getting the occasional deep play, or at least trying those plays to get some chunk yardage and, and take advantage of the few drives that I... Because I don't think they're going to have many chances to score points in this game. So it, trying to take advantage of those few chances you get to really get the ball down the field and get points on the board. But is there a weak spot? Like th- That's what I've been thinking about with this team. And the, w- the one thing that I can think of, and-, and you can tell me what you think as well, BLG, but for me, like the one guy that I'm looking at is a name that when I heard it, I, I-, I kind of perked up and- just because I couldn't believe he was still in the league. And that was Terrence Newman. Uh, Terrence Newman, who's, who you remember from being with the Cowboys for forever, uh, he well, he's 39 years old, and he's still playing a significant role on the Vikings. And so he doesn't look slow for a guy that's 39, um, but just in terms of you know real raw speed, he's obviously not on that level. And so if I'm the Eagles and I'm looking at matchups, I gotta isolate on Terrence Newman as much as possible, and I'm going at that guy all day. I think that's one of their few opportunities where uh, a lot of their receivers could be able to beat him, get them some yardage down the field, and I, I don't know if you can you know, try to force him out of the game. Uh, I don't know if you're going to throw at him that much, but y- you got to take those chances. you got to test him with the older legs and see if he can compete. So uh, for me... That's that's the big one. Is there anything else that you'd think of out there that that you would attack against Minnesota? Yeah, that's pretty unheard of too. I mean, it's a thirty-nine-year-old cornerback. I mean, a lot of those guys at that age, first of all, they're not even playing. But if they are, you know, it's usually a switch to safety on the back end there. I mean, that's just incredible that he's still around. But um, I think the slot mismatch with Aguilar, you know, is something to watch. I think as a whole, there's not a lot of weaknesses on that Vikings defense. We'll see if. Uh, Andrew Sandejo is going to play. He had a concussion in Sunday's game. He was limited on Wednesday's practice. Sounds like they're kind of optimistic that that will happen. But if he's not, I mean, the Vikings will be missing a pretty good safety on the back end. So that's worth noti- worth noting. Um, outside of that, I mean, I don't see a ton. Trey Waynes gets thrown at a lot because people don't want to throw at Xavier Rones as much. So he gets tested a lot. But, like, are you really going to – 
you know, are you really like itching to do that if he's going to be covering Torrey Smith? Who, by the way, I looked it up today, and Torrey Smith, over his last um, so many games here, over his last, I think, eleven and a quarter games, and the quarters coming from the <clears throat> the Cowboys game there, he's averaging something like um, twenty. I have the number right here. He's averaging. Uh, this is great. Uh, he's averaging. Why can't I find? It? He's averaging. Th- 23.5 yards. Like, that's terrible in his last 11.25 games. So that's not like a matchup you're in love with there. Although Torrey did draw pass interference. And again, like you were just talking about, Vince, that's the benefit of taking some of those deep shots. Even if you're not going to complete it, at least you're giving yourself a chance at getting a flag there and picking up some big yards. And guess what? There's probably going to be a decent amount of flags in this game because Ed Hockley is officiating it. So that's something to kind of keep away there. Um, but as a whole, I don't see... I don't see a lot of weaknesses individually. I just think it's not about that so much to me. It's more about we're the Eagles now in their mindset. We're good on the offensive line. Like let's use let's play our biggest strengths. Even though their defensive line is good, it doesn't matter. Like our let's put trust in our offensive line and count on our players to be good more so than worrying about where what their biggest weakness is, especially because they don't really have an obvious one. Yeah, and that's the thing. You look at the Vikings and the numbers that they have, and they're just so ungodly impressive. Uh, First in points allowed, second in pass yards allowed, first in pass touchdowns allowed, second in rushing yards allowed. And and by the way, when it goes to the rushing game, not only are they second in so few second fewest yards allowed, but they've faced the third highest attempts in the league. And they're still limiting people to so few yards, uh, fifth overall in yards per carry. So they're an amazing, really consistently good defense. And when you look at the challenge here for Nick Foles, uh, it's a really tough one. And I guess here's the other thing, too, BLG, that you have to wonder, and this is this is sort of the question of the game, if you will, is which half of Nick Foles are you seeing? Are you seeing the first half or the second? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm the biggest Foles hater there is. So, <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I still don't have like ton of faith in the guy. He, he didn't do anything. Like, I mean, everyone's like, oh, you look out, look at his stats. You know, he what? He went like 23 or 30, and he posted a hundred something passer rating, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. But I mean, come on, let's be real. Keanu Neal should have had an interception when he overthrew a pass that somehow became a 20 yard completion to Torrey Smith. Um, my confidence level in falls isn't still like super, super high. I think it was encouraging to see that he got in a rhythm and I, I liked how he was stepping up in the pocket. Like that's something I, I'm looking at and I'm like, all right, well, that's that's a good thing. Like that's something I can point to here and not just luck. So um but yeah, I mean it's it's tough. I think last week I think we were talking about was a kind of a unique matchup because when you're playing the Falcons and the cover three, they're really not trying to disguise a ton of what they do. They kind of just play what they play and dare you to beat it. And they kind of make you, they force you into those long drives, check downs, things like that. You know, it's not the same case with the Vikings. The Vikings are going to send a lot of blitzes. That concerns me because in against the Falcons, the, they weren't getting a lot of pressure. I think Foles only got hit four times. I think he got sacked like once and he he was you know like he was stepping up in the pocket like i said he was doing good with his footwork as soon as you start to blitz him and and you know he's getting uh he's losing that confidence and he's backpedaling or he's 
you know, flushing out of the pocket too soon. Like that's, you know, where you're, you're starting to get concerned at that point. And he's not good enough to, to just suddenly carry the team with his arm. And, and there's those plays like the one to Trey Burton, I think it was in the first half where Trey Burton's running wide open on a corner route, but he overthrows him. And I'm not saying Carson Wentz didn't make, you know, he Carson Wentz had some overthrows too and made some mistakes, but in a playoff game like that, where the guy is wide open, like you got to hit that man. So, where I'm at with him, it's you know I'm probably a little more confident in him than I was last week, but you know it's it's never like to me it, I can't just be like oh yeah he's gonna be fine no problem. Yeah, there's nothing that tells you that you're going to get a guaranteed quality performance from Foles, and it is tough because like last week we're talking about a Falcons team that they were a good defense, and and I still believe that, but the thing was that they were a slighter defense, and the the weight advantage was something that we talked about last week, and and that came into play like that that was clearly a factor. You could see the offensive line bullying the Falcons around a little bit. You're not going to have that here with the Vikings. They're just such a big, thick, stout, physical team all across the board, and so that advantage is gone, and like you said at the beginning of the show, like LeGarrette Blunt hammering him home isn't necessarily the strategy here, and so you have to adapt, and when you consider how good they are against the run, and the fact that and this is a crazy stat, they are 25% on third downs uh, converted, so they, they... It's like historically good. Yeah, historically good. I think the next closest in the league to the Vikings this year was something like 32%. So they're 7% better than the second-best third-down defense in the entire league. It's crazy. So when you're dealing with a defense that is this monumentally good and balanced and deep, it's such a complicated issue and, and, and such a massive challenge here because uh, if you can't establish that run early and you're getting Nick Foles into third and seven, third and eight kind of situations, you really wonder. And and the other thing is, too, um, and this is one of the big questions, I think, for the Eagles to have success in this game is a guy that has been successful through the course of the season and has really tailed off since Wentz went down, and that's Zach Ertz. Uh, Ertz is a guy that, I mean, we were praising him nonstop throughout the season and really hasn't been a factor. And for this game... Like one of the things that I saw when the Saints were playing the Vikings and they got going in that second half is it's that that behind the linebacker stuff. If they're in zone, you want to throw the ball ten to fifteen yards down the field, get it past those guys, and and that's where you're going to get some yardage. And I, I wonder how much of a factor they can get Ertz to be in this game because if it does get to those points where they're in those situations where it's third and long and they're not getting the run going early, they need as many options on the table and Foles hasn't established that connection yet. So you think uh, Doug can get that on track? Back earlier in the season, I think I had, I had joked, and you could probably find this, I'm on the record, we're saying this multiple times, that Ertz was going to reverse this year <laughs> and he was going to be great at the beginning of the season and he's going to tail off at the end. And now, if Carson was still healthy, that might be a different story. So I don't know. But yeah, with Foles in there, you're just not seeing that same level of production. And then if you're talking, if we're talking about like needing that play that you just mentioned to there, I mean, that's kind of exactly where Foles almost threw that interception to Keanu Neal last week. So kind of not the most inspiring thing to have. But um, yeah, I mean, 
there's so many op- there's so many mouths to feed on this Eagles offense, which is a good thing. You know, for the most part, they have a lot of options to go to. Um, and you would, I think you'd like to see Ertz more involved and, and get this underneath passing game going just because you feel like that's something you can rely on and, and something at least Foles is going to be able to go to as opposed to you're just not seeing him prior to last week more so not even going to those outside wide receivers. Um, that that's a concern, but, uh, as a whole, I think uh, I, I think the Eagles will be able to do some things against this Vikings defense again. They're not gonna it's not gonna be they're not gonna have their way with them, but I think they're gonna be able to do enough because this defense isn't the same on the road. It's still good defense, but it's not like this elite defense on the road. And your point about third down is is certainly you know it's it's very legitimate. It's gonna be tough to to um to to convert on some of those situations. And and Foles was able to do that more so in the last game than he was in the, the Raiders and the Cowboys games where they just they could not get a first down for their lives. So it's going to be more imperative than ever to kind of get some of these, maybe these short gains or or some of these, um, you know, so they're not getting into third and long all the time because that's something they could do with Carson Wentz, but it's just not going to be a recipe for success this week. Yeah, so we're going to talk about in a minute uh, what the Eagles can do on the defensive side of the ball to shut down the Vikings offense. But first, let me tell you that the playoffs are in full swing, which means a fantasy football season. Well, it's sadly over, right? Well, you're wrong, actually, because with one week, fantasy football at DraftKings, the fantasy football season doesn't stop until the games do. So while your season-long league is done, it is not too late to draft a new team and win money while you're doing it. So at DraftKings, there are so many ways to play. You can choose from public contests with huge cash prizes, or you can do private contests where you can compete against your friends and just, uh, you know, a couple of days after the game, say, hey, buddy, uh, well, good job picking that receiver. You blew it. Give me five bucks. You've also got beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of similar skill level. And the best part is you get to draft a new team each and every week. And drafting a team is arguably the best part of fantasy, right? I mean, aside from winning the cash, of course. So there are huge cash prizes. There are bragging rights. And it's only at DraftKings. Use the code BGNRDraftKings.com to play for free with your first deposit for your share of hundreds of thousands of dollars in total prizes this very Sunday. But hurry, Sunday will be here before you know it, so get to DraftKings.com now to choose your lineup, and you can play for serious cash on Sunday. That code is BGNR, and it's only at DraftKings.com. Minimum $5 deposit is required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. So let's get into the offensive side of the ball here, BLG, uh, for the Vikings, because... They have been their Cinderella story, right? The miracle in Minnesota and, and the Case Keenum sensation that is. Like, one, one of the things, and I think first we do have to talk about Case Keenum because there still is a little bit of this lingering uh, Case Keenum is the guy when he was with the Rams, when he was with the Texans, that guy. And when you consider the situation that he's been in this year where he goes 11-3 and as a starter... And he's been really efficient of football all throughout the season. And you consider that when you're looking at the roster, like Teddy Bridgewater, who was on IR to start the year and they weren't sure when he'd be back, well, he comes back and he gets into game shape and there's still a couple of weeks left into the season. 
and the Vikings don't bother and and don't really have a conversation. There was a there was a brief one after a single game, uh, but it was kind of hushed then even. So he holds back Teddy Bridgewater, who's supposed to lock down the job and, and take it back. Uh, Sam Bradford is now back from injury, and he was on the bench last week watching that game against the Saints, and there have been no peeps about benching Case Keenum. So I think it's fair to say that for this season, if you don't believe it next year, that's that's a whole other conversation. But for this year with this team, with that coaching staff, he's clearly a starting quarterback in the NFL at this point, right? It's so weird, though, too. It's just like it's so random. It's out of nowhere. Like, what is the explanation for this? Like, how is this possible? This guy signed to like what? Like a one million. He signed to like a very cheap deal in free agency with the Vikings. It's kind of just it's crazy how that's come to be. And, you know, at this point, it's a weird situation because on one hand, Case Keenum has been playing really well. I mean, you, you can see the numbers for yourself. I think you look at when I've been the, the times I've watched him and watched Vikings games this year and he's looked legit in terms of like he's doing things where he's avoiding pressure and being able to extend plays and make some throws to his wide receivers. And I think that's helping him a lot. Those wide receivers, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, are, are great. And he kind of throws it up there, and they can make some contested catches, which, which makes life so much easier on him. But at the same time, like I, you can't, I can't fully shake that it's Case Keenum still. Like It's Case Keenum, and you just can't totally discount the possibility that the shoe could drop and he could just be, he could just turn out to have a really bad game or at least a, a case Keenum that you would expect kind of game. And maybe we see that this weekend. I don't think it's out of, I don't think it's out of the question, but um, for now he's playing well. I think it's a concern for the Eagles defense, the way he is, he plays stylistically. I think some of the, or I know some of the Eagles players were even comparing him to Russell Wilson in terms of his mobility. Obviously, I mean, Wilson's in a class of his own in that regard, but just in the sense that Case Keenum is the third most pressured quarterback in the league this year, but he only ranks second in sack percentage. So he hasn't been easy to get down. He's been able to elude people. Maybe there's some regression due there, and he's due for getting some more sacks because he's holding on to the ball. And while that gives his teammates a chance to extend plays, it also gives the Eagles defense in this matchup a chance to sack him and make a big play themselves. But until then, I mean, this this is going to be tough because I could just see I one of the things that drives me nuts when like you're watching the Eagles play, and it hasn't been so much the case this year, but in the past is where they're getting pressure, they're moving the quarterback off his spot, they're getting near him. But they're not bringing him down. You have to bring Case Keenum down. Like that has to be a point of emphasis more than ever. I mean, obviously you want to do that in every game, but he's not a guy that you move off a spot and he's done. Like he's still going to extend the play. You have to bring him down, and you have to. If you're the cornerbacks down the field, you're in the secondary. You have to stick to that wide receiver, and you just can't like forget about him and let him go. Like you have to make it tough as possible because. Like I said, that there's that always that chance that Case Keenum kind of just turns into a pumpkin and turns into the guy we're expecting him to be. But um, it's not going to be easy with the way he's playing right now. Yeah, no, it's not. And he's got such uh, patience about him. One of the things is he has the ability to run a little bit. He's not elite in speed in any regard, but he has enough legs to move and be elusive, like you said. And the the impressive thing about the growth of Case Keenum this year 
has been that he's had opportunities where he could run the ball, and you've even seen him roll out and the play's broken, and he goes towards the line of scrimmage, and I've actually seen him roll backwards. After approaching the line of scrimmage, he'd continue to go towards the sideline, but step back a couple of yards and and create an extra second or two so that he could still try to throw the ball downfield, and he, he's completed passes that way. He's been really patient and smart, and it's just been incredible to see the development of Case Keenum this season. And the other thing is, too, this has really impressed me about him, is that when he's missing on his passes, like we've seen Foles throughout this last couple of games where he's throwing balls in the dirt and he's throwing balls high in the middle of the field, that kneel play that you mentioned before that went off his knee. Like those kinds of things are, are really ugly and you don't want to see those from a quarterback. But when Case Keenum has been missing passes, he's missed them in the right way, if that makes sense. Like, if he's thrown to the sideline, it's a little bit high and, and towards the boundary. If he's thrown in the corner, it, it's the same kind of situation. He he just he doesn't put the ball as often as you'd think. Oh, what, seven interceptions on the year, I think you said was the number? Yep. So uh, he's, he's been so good with the ball that he's not making those bad throws often. His form at times looks bad. And you can certainly criticize him for that. He will occasionally throw off his back foot, and that's something the Eagles have to force a lot. But uh, he, he's been a darn good passer this year. And I guess if I were to put it in a microcosm of what Keenum's become, I think he's basically what we saw with Kirk Cousins over the past couple of years, where he goes from being a laughing stock to like, oh, Kirk Cousins had an okay year. That's weird. And then he has a couple more, and it's like, okay, uh, Kirk Cousins is a legitimate franchise quarterback at this point and I think Keenum's done it's been that same kind of thing over the stretch of 14 starts in the NFL so uh, it's fascinating to see that and it obviously starts with him now the other thing obviously is what do you make of the Vikings offensive line because they've got to protect for him and they're facing the Eagles uh, deep constant aggressive pass rush with that front four and uh just out of curiosity blg like i i think the i think the vikings are a tougher matchup uh, a much tougher matchup frankly than the falcons were last week what do you think i think the the vikings offensive line isn't that good i mean i think i i just said it you know they, they rank keenum has been third most pressured of any quarterback this season so you're, you're seeing that happen uh, if if Keenum's mobility wasn't such a factor, the sack numbers would certainly look a lot worse, in my opinion. I think right now they're dealing with some injuries on the offensive line, too. They have a rookie center, which is kind of a concern, I think, for them if you're going up against Fletcher Cox and Timmy Jernigan in there. And their right tackle is not good. He got abused by Cam Jordan, and now it's Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan's a really good player, but still, he got abused. I mean, it's not going to get easier for him when he's going up against Brandon Graham this week. So that's a concern for them. Riley Reif on the left side isn't really all that impressive to me. Uh, I think, you know, Vinnie Curry and Derek Barnett are going to be able to win some of those matchups over there. So I look at this Eagles defensive line against this Vikings offensive line, and I think they should be able to get a lot of pressure. Again, it's just kind of about getting Keenum down because you can get near him, but if you're not getting him down, he's able to kind of run around and, I can't believe I'm saying this, but only it kind of reminds me of Brett Favre. And I remember playing the Eagles playing Brett Favre. I, I can't remember what year it was, but I think it was like the year they played him that first game of the season. And there was times where like Favre would be bottled up, and it looked like he was going to be sacked, but he would like 
toss the ball while he someone was like grabbing him like a couple guys are grabbing him he'd dump it off to a running back and the running back would run for like 20 yards like that's the kind of thing i'm I'm worried about this weekend that case keenum could be able to do to kind of neutralize this eagles defensive line a little bit because i think they're going to be able to get to him and the good thing for the eagles is as i said case keenum is going to hold on to the ball so they're going to give him they're going to give the eagles the opportunity to sack him like that's the opportunity is going to be there. This isn't going to be like the Giants games where Case Keenum was getting the ball out real quick unless they unexpectedly change how they go there. But I don't expect that to happen. Maybe they try it. And the other thing is that as your point about Keenum uh, not putting the ball in harm's way when he misses, I mean, I've seen that too. But at the same time, like he he does have some passes where he's – throwing it up to one Thielen or Diggs and kind of giving them a chance at a contested play. And now those wide receivers are very good, so they can make that play. But it also gives the cornerback a chance to kind of make a play on the ball as well sometimes there. so And we saw that against the Saints. That's where he had one of those interceptions. So uh, I think Keenum is – the way he plays – like it, it could easily, like it could be too much for the Eagles to handle, which is, again just sounds ridiculous based on like who thought we'd be saying that. But I think he also is going to give the Eagles a chance to make some plays. It's just a matter if they can actually capitalize on that. Yeah, their offense is an interesting one because what you see a lot of from them is uh, one they run the ball a lot, and they'll do that with a fullback. And Rudolph is a big tight end that's fine as a blocker. So they're able to run the ball up the gut a lot. Latavius Murray, who we haven't mentioned at all, is a pretty good running back. And the other thing is they're doing so much play action. So it's a lot of those longer developing plays you're not seeing, like with the Giants early in the year and the big concern that we've had with the corners over the past couple of weeks. It's the idea of the slant getting burned by a slant and then having that slant set up the double move. They're not that kind of team. So they're doing that mid-range stuff, that deep stuff. And like you said, the Thielen connection, absolutely there. He's he's such a great receiver. Diggs a great receiver. So they're going to have time on the pass rush. Uh, it will be a question of whether or not they actually get to him. Uh, with the running game, though, because that's the other thing here, too. How well can Minnesota establish the running game? And i got to be honest with you. Uh, I thought that the Falcons matchup, the Eagles were going to dominate that. But... I don't think that's the case this week. I think this is a much harder one. The Vikings' uh, line is solid. They have, I think it was the seventh best rushing attack in the NFL going into this game. Murray is a is a fast, bruising running back in his own right. So you got that paired with the running back. They can run up the gut. Danelle Ellerby is going to have to be more of a factor because of that uh, as part of the game. And so uh, for the Eagles shutting that down... You wonder how successful they're going to be. I, so I guess I'm a little more skeptical, and I think the run defense is good as as the numbers say over the course of the year that they've been the rust, the best rushing defense in the league. I I think they've taken a significant dip over the last couple of weeks. So uh, I, I don't know. Are, are you with me on that? Where do where do you stand on the Eagles' run defense? The matchup here. No, I feel better about it than you do. I don't think these running backs are anything great. I mean. Murray is averaging 3.8 yards per carry and McKinnon's at 3.9 like that's not great and if Dalvin Cook was here I'd be concerned because I you know I think Dalvin Cook's great but he's not and I'm not really concerned about this running game a lot and at least in terms of up the middle especially I mean we saw Devonta Freeman held what to like seven yards on 
on 10 carries there and and Tevin Coleman had more but you know those were some of those runs to the outside so if you want to be concerned about that I mean by all means because for whatever reason the Eagles couldn't defend runs to the outside against the Falcons I'm not worried about runs up the middle as much and I think as a whole I, I just running backs just don't scare me enough now McKinnon I think ranks like fourth on the team in receiving so that's something they kind of have to keep an eye on he can catch some passes and McKinnon has talent. He's a really athletic player, so I'm not totally discounting that. I don't think those are they're necessarily bad players, but they're just they don't do a lot for me. I'm not like I'm not scared of them. Uh, the the most things I'm scared of the most on the Falcons' offense would be the way Keenum is playing and the wide receivers right now. I think the run defense. I I don't think about it a lot as something I, I worry about. I think they'll be able to be okay, and it's just more about being able to defend. Diggs and Thielen the whole game because those guys can do it all. Like there's not there's almost nothing they can't do to me. Like they can make contested pass contested catches. They they're great route runners. They have explosion. They anything. Like they can create separation. Like they can just pretty much do almost anything. So and that, again, I think that's why Keenum has been able to have such a good year is because you have two of those guys and you can't really lock in on one because then the other one is there. So it just makes like life really tough on a defense. So that's that's the bigger thing I'm concerned about. Maybe it's less concerning if you are able to stop that run and you their play action, they can't really get play action going because you're not biting on the run if they can't run at that point. I think that's your hope if you're the Eagles is follow that formula that's worked well for all, you all year. Stop the run, eliminate the threat of play action and, and force the team to be one-dimensional because – for as good of a year, you know, as Case Keenum is having here, the Vikings, I still think, uh, rank, they're in the bottom half of the league when it comes to pass attempts per game. So if you're suddenly asking Case Keenum to throw 40 times a game, I don't think it's going to be the same Case Keenum we've seen all season. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, if the Eagles can get it in that situation, then you certainly feel better because with the defensive line rotating out, maybe the offensive line gets a little tired from the Vikings, and later in the game you can force a turnover that puts the game in the Eagles' advantage. So, uh, with that, let's go to the picks, BLG. Hit me! It's time to ring the bell and play some bets. Hey, I don't want your money punching my money. Here come our NFL picks. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Picks brought to you by the Sportsbook at Delaware Park. It's where you can wager and watch all of the pro football games on Sunday. Go to DelawarePark.com for more details. Delaware Park is a lottery agent for the Delaware Lottery. Must be 21 to play. So, what we're looking at first in the AFC Championship game. A team that I, I called it last week, BLG. The Jacksonville Jaguars making it out to New England. Except, in this case, they're minus nine, where they were minus seven and a half in Pittsburgh. Can Blake Bortles and Jacksonville make it happen again? They can. I mean, I, I don't see a reason to say this Jaguars team can't do it, given the way their defense plays, given the way that Blake Bortles can surprisingly actually ha- turn in a good game, and obviously their running game as well. They have some good things going for them. Uh, you talk about a team embracing the underdog mentality. The Eagles have sure done that, but so have the Jaguars. And I don't know. I, do I feel good enough about them to bet on them? No, I don't actually still because it's the Patriots and because I don't want to count the Patriots out in their own building with them being 
angry and pissed off and having everything to, to, to prove. Although, I guess, I don't know if this is going to be a factor, but Tom Brady apparently like missed or he, he, he had some limited in, in practice because someone ran into his throwing hand or something. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's classic Bill Belichick misdirection, though. Who knows? Um, I'm going to go with the Patriots just because they're, they're tested and true. And if I'm wrong about that, I'm not going to be really upset because if the Patriots lose, I mean, how, how mad can you really be? Yeah, and, and I'm with you. I, I love Jacksonville, and I, I would not be surprised if they win this game. So I'm definitely taking them with the minus nine. Uh, whether they win the game, I tend to lean New England. But uh, Jacksonville, man, uh, they've got the, the horses to do it in that game. They just got to establish the run. You keep Ramsey on Gronk. I, I do think they they have to do it. But uh, yeah, it, I mean, gun to my head, New England wins that game, and, and that's who's going to be in the Super Bowl now. For the NFC, our Philadelphia Eagles against the Minnesota Vikings, and the Vikings are giving three and a half points. In a Lincoln financial field filled with men in dog masks, your thoughts? I am going with the Eagles. I don't see any reason to... I mean, there's obviously... The Vikings are a good team, so there's reason to not pick them. But I just feel like to count out this Eagles team at this point is a mistake. I feel like they have shown time and time again that when they're counted out and people do do that, they prove people wrong. And... The coaching is a real tangible thing you can hang your hat on. Like this isn't just blind optimism. It just there's there's a feel about this. There's the coaching, the trenches. I think are just so important right now. I think the Eagles' offensive line is playing at such a high level. Same thing with the defensive line. And when you have those things going for you, I feel good about their chances. And they're home, obviously, again. And I, I've kind of talked about how the Vikings aren't as good on the road. I'm going with the Eagles. I think the Eagles win this game outright. I think they at least cover, and I feel good about it. I think I think they're going to the Super Bowl, Vince. Oh man, uh, BLG. I I wish oh, I could no. say that, Here but I'm not. I'm not. The Vikings are winning this game, man. Wow. Uh, I'm. I'm. Ooh. Yeah. I know. I know. I got. I got to keep it real, man. I, I got to keep it real. I'm, I'm watching these games, and I'm just like, oh my god. I just. I don't see it. Like last week with Atlanta, there felt like there was a really clear path. You limit them on the outside runs, which they did. Devonta Freeman didn't do a damn thing against the Eagles whatsoever. Then they had the opportunities to get against Matt Ryan and, and knock him around a little bit, and they were able to keep the game close, as funky as it was, and and they got a, a really close last-second win uh, against an Atlanta team that's good but not great. And this Minnesota team, I think, is great. And so with that step up in the quality of competition – and just the matchups where I think Minnesota is going to be able to run the ball better than the Falcons did and have some longer drives. I think that defense is really going to lock down the Eagles running game, and that's going to present some problems for Foles. Uh, I, I look at this game, and, and as much as I've loved this ride, and, and this has been one of my – this is my favorite season ever of Eagles football. I love this team to death. I just don't see them winning this game. And I, I don't think it's close either, unfortunately. I, I, I hate to say it because, like, everyone's there and the dog masks and it's so much fun and the energy is raw and it's it's going to be crazy in there. But I, I think the Eagles get smoked in this one. And I, honestly, I think they lose 20-6. to six. 
Well, you're a terrible person. I am. I'm a terrible person. <laughs> and it makes me really popular around here, let me tell you, saying that the, the Eagles are going to lose this game by as much as they will. The players are going to print out a transcript of what you just said and post it all around the locker room. That'd be great. I would love for them to do that. If Malcolm, uh, Brandon, Nigel, whoever's listening, if you guys are there and listening to this show right now, please transcribe it. Uh, put my face on a dartboard. Whatever you got to do to get yourselves jacked up for this game and win, because I doubt you guys significantly in this one. If you've heard, like, my, if you notice my my tone through the whole show has been like, well, the Vikings do this really well. You know, I just I. I I can't fully get on the Eagles' bandwagon uh, for them winning this game. And so, yeah, if I'm motivation to help them get over the top and fuel that underdog thing, I'm all for it because I want them to get there. But I just I don't see it happening. It's it's tough, BLG. It's pretty tough. Um, I, I get it. I mean, the Vikings are a really good team. It's not, it's, you know, but uh, I just feel like this team is different, man. This Eagles team, is it's different. It's a different year now, <laughs> of course. That's going to me guess me going to feel like a real sucker after it isn't different. But I, I just I'm at the point now where it just it really does have a different feel. And I know the Vikings fans are probably feeling the same thing, especially after you know the Minnesota miracle. But man, I just think the Eagles. I think they can do it. I really do. I, I like I said, the coaching and the, the the offensive line, the defensive line. I just believe in those things a lot. I really do. And the home field advantage. I think that's again huge as well. And just the way the Eagles, like if they didn't have those turnovers, and they did happen, so they, you can't just wash it away. But I mean, they would look pretty good in that Falcons game. And the Vikings, you know, they took an early lead on the Saints, looked good. But I mean, they don't have that miracle play. They're not here right now. So I, I don't think they're an un- unbeatable team by any means, especially on the road. But we'll see how it goes. It'll be it'll be really interesting to see. And I guess uh, this is something that's been on my mind. If you're you know the dog mask thing, I think it's great. But from what I hear, I think Lane Johnson even said it. You can't really see out of it. So I'm not. I guess people are going to be taking it off at the points where you need to get loud. Like don't yell under your mask. Like right. Like we can all <laughs> we can all kind of like figure. I just want to make sure like we're all on the same page on that. Like don't yell under the mask. It's only going to muffle the noise. Like take the mask off to yell and then get really loud and then put it back on when you don't have to be as loud and then just be looking ridiculous in the dog mask. Well, yeah, and the other thing is, too, uh, as we're talking fan etiquette here, as much as get loud and take the mask off when you want to get loud, please, when they're on offense, if you're at the game, Please be quiet. Like it, it's one of those things that hasn't fully developed in Philly. Like the, the crowd's noticeably quieter, but it's not that Lambeau Field level where you can hear a pin drop. And if they can get to that level on the offensive side of the ball, too, I think that'd be. Uh, they need every advantage they can get, and, and the, that's why the coaching staff has talked about it. The players have talked about it. We've been talking about it at WIP for forever, and here on BGN, like it, it, you got to get every ounce of of quality you can out of the crowd. And so quiet is definitely a part of that equation as well. But uh, for me and BLG, we and can't... one more thing. Yeah, go ahead. Don't punch a horse in the face. Yes! Do not punch a horse in the face! For the love of God! Or anywhere. Don't punch a horse. Just don't do it. Yeah, I mean, unless the horse is saying something about your mother, in which case you've been drinking too much <laughs> and you should go home. Uh, so, anyway, uh, me and BLG, we've, we've been talking here for the last hour, and we can't stop talking. We're going to have the fourth quarter coming up on Patreon.com, so make sure you go there. We're going to be talking a little bit about where this team places 
in Philadelphia history. And I, I think there's a comparison very near and dear to people's hearts that this team really rivals. So we'll talk about that in a little bit more in the fourth quarter. For uh, Brandon Lee Gowton, I am Vince Quinn. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at It's Vince Quinn. You can find BLG at Brandon Gowton. And hopefully I'm wrong and we're doing a preview show for the Super Bowl. Stretch your hand and I'm going to chop it off. I dare you ask for a favor from your boss's boss. Shrimp, scampi, angel head noodles, white wine sauce. Rwanda and Ross, reload the Nina Ross. Settle metal when I'm focused on the green Dinero. Hocus Pocus, Gucci Lopez, cake with bacon soda. Cake for soldiers move away from Maine and Nova Scotia. Bang revolvers, problem solvers, that pain the mothers. Lost a child, clips from play when they hear the loud. Nightmares, walking dead cause they sleep prepared. You either sheep or shed, be scared or cut to pieces. I lust for custom coops with the honey mustard features. Butterfly doors, a whore that makes wine or sober. Her beauty stunning, plus she funny, that's the proper order. Head nods and cat calls, cuz it's pops in order. Yeah, I'm stuntin' all the world is my stage show. Dallas streets cruising around about four.